Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10, if you will. Matthew chapter 10. I sought the Lord and he heard. You know that scripture, right? That's the word of God. You seek him, you will find him. Glory to God. I've been talking about discipleship. How many of you are enjoying a little bit of discipleship 101? Amen. Learn how to be disciples. You know, it's not something I don't think we ever master, but we can improve and we can grow and we can add and mature and develop. Amen. And it's important that we keep these things in front of us. We should never treat a subject, a matter, a, a principle, a, you know, as fundamental as it is, as elementary as it may seem. I, I, you know, we talk about this a lot, but I don't think it goes with too much saying. I don't think we can ever, you know, overrun the fact that we've just got to remain teachable and we've got to, no matter the, the, the principle or the subject matter, never feel like we've learned it all. Never feel like we've covered it all. Always treat the word of God with high value and honor and reverence. When you get an opportunity to sit under the word, man, I'm soaking it up. And I'm, I'm not going into rooms where I may completely agree with someone. I'm not going into rooms where, uh, you know, they might be my style or my, you know, preference, even in oratorical skill. I, I can glean something. I can pull something. I can draw something. Because at the end of the day, it's the spirit of God that's ministering to you, not the man with the microphone and the podium and the notes and the, come on, the Holy Spirit's trying to get something to you. He didn't put me in that moment just to critique and criticize, and well, are they? Well, I agree with that, and da, da, da. I mean, sure, you're going to have those moments, but at the end of the day, what can I pull? What can I draw? Brother Hagin used to say, uh, eat the hay and spit out the sticks, right? There's something in there that, that could, you might get a nugget, and it might just be a nugget. It might be, you know, one, but man, squeeze everything out of that that you can get. If that's all I get, man, I am chomping on that. I am chewing on that. I'm meditating on that. What am, what am I saying? The posture of my heart is to receive. If I ever get to a place that I heard them before, or I don't really like their style, or I don't know about this guy, then I'm missing what the Holy Spirit wants to receive or wants me to receive. Amen. And so we just want to keep ourselves open. We talk about discipleship. That should not be discipleship. This is midweek. This is our strongest disciples right here. This is our core group. This is it right here. I mean, y'all took an extra day this week to come to church. We Discipleship. I want to know about the gifts. I want to know about eschatology and hermeneutics and, uh, you know, whatever other crazy subjects you can, you can spend your time in cemetery. I mean, seminary learning and discovering. <laughs> Hallelujah. I did not go to seminary. I've heard seminary students refer to it that way. I did not personally go to seminary, so I don't know. They ref- I mean, if, if you accidentally cross cemetery with seminary, that's probably not a good thing, but hey. Matthew chapter 10. Tonight, I want to talk about disciples are filled with and led by the Spirit. Disciples are filled with and led by the Spirit. We're talking, we're, we're, we're talking about shaping the, the Jesus model of discipleship and the Jesus model of the church and what the church should be doing, what the church should be producing. What is the fruit of the church in these last days? And is it just Bible studies? Is it just groups? Is it just 
prayer times? And is it just services where we darken doors for an hour or two a week, but nothing's really changed or within us or around us? And, and, and obviously we know that you and I are a catalyst in the earth. You and I ought to be promoting the agenda and the, the values of the kingdom of heaven and, and not just culturally what people think church should be. And so to do that, you've got to get back to his template his model, his pattern. And anywhere where we've drifted, anywhere where we've digressed, anywhere where we've altered, we've got to correct those things because I cannot do church my way and get his results. It's kind of the principle behind the whole thing. What did his disciples look like? And in Matthew chapter 10, this is where he sent disciples really for the first time, says summoning his 12 disciples. And notice he didn't need a lot. You know, we make a big deal about large crowds and large followings, and that's great. We just talked on Sunday uh, in our vision series, you know, addition by subtraction, but we saw addition eventually turned into multiplication. And thank God for the multiplying of the disciples. And the, but, but notice he starts out with 12, 12 crazy men, not even like super solid, you know, uh, <laughs> you know we, we know about the bunch. I don't need to break all that down. But this is what he did. It says, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean what? Spirits. Now, we just need to go ahead and and understand this right now that everything we come against, every challenge, all the resistance, like we talked about resistance on on Sunday, uh, every opposition that we face, it's not natural, it's spiritual. You can give it a natural name. It might be a physical person. It might be a a physical entity or organization, but behind it is a spirit. Behind the cancer is a spirit. Behind the movement is a spirit. Behind the oppression is a spirit. Behind the person with the bad attitude is a spirit. Okay, so we are not fighting or warring against flesh and blood, are we? It's not natural in nature. And the moment we get our eyes fixed on the natural, the enemy's got us right where he wants us because he's attacking us spiritually and we're warring naturally. And natural warring does not counteract or alter or defend against a spiritual attack. But he loves when you waste all your energy and your effort in natural resources fighting a spiritual oppression. He loves that. I think we just need to get back to the the moment where we just call demonic things demonic things and not be so fearful of calling it demonic. When you learn you've got the power over every demonic force in heaven and on earth, then I don't have a problem saying that's demonic. That is a demonic movement that is taking place. That's a demonic oppression that's showing up. There's a, that's a demonic uh, stronghold that is holding that, that sphere of influence down. Just call it for what it is. Quit playing the, the games, the word games, and, 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 and trying to uh, uh, you know, figure out all the natural ways. He says he gave him over, uh, uh, power over unclean spirits. And I can promise you that was being demonstrated in natural ways. And today, we have natural names for spiritual problems. We do. Because if I can diagnose it, I can medicate it. Y'all still here? Y'all go home already. Yeah, because if I can diagnose it naturally, then I can medicate it naturally. Rather than just, now this doesn't mean you go around saying you're a demon, you got a demon, you're demonic. No, you recognize the spiritual influence behind it. Let's just go ahead and be clear. I'm not talking against natural resources and natural responses. I'm talking about being led by the Holy Spirit as to what natural recourse needs to take place. That's what I'm saying. I'm not eliminating the natural. I'm saying start with the spiritual. 
Because we got a boy that's throwing himself in a fire. Uh, we, we, we've got a man with a withered hand. We, we've got blindness. We've got deaf ears. But Jesus knew, nah, we're not just healing a deaf ear. We're getting demonic oppression off of somebody. Got a man cutting himself and putting, him in cha- putting himself in chains with a legion of demons on the inside. And, and the best man can do is just chain him up and put him in a cemetery somewhere. And we diagnose it today. Like, now there's a demonic force behind that thing. Ooh, this is October, right? Don't celebrate it. Challenge it. (laughs) Oppose it. Stand up against it. I think the enemy has tricked us into celebrating demons and witchcraft. And I mean, I, you know, I can't hardly watch a show anymore right now between September and October without some stupid horror film uh, advertisement, uh, you know, what, what are the, I don't even, what's commercial, no, what's, what's the trailers? That's the word. I'm like, I haven't even been to a movie in so long, I don't even know what a trailer is called anymore. Mute, you know? By the way, you ever watch one of those without the music behind, just mute it? It's not so scary. right? But we celebrate this stuff and we want more of it. And, 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 and come on, let's just, I, he gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, not put up with them, not have a conversation with them, drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. And he says, as you go, verse seven, skipping down to verse seven, as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. How do you know the kingdom of heaven has come when you start pushing back darkness? When demons can't just, you know, how many times did Jesus heal or or, or set free or deliver a demon in a synagogue? My question is, how come that person was so comfortable, that demon was so comfortable coming to church all that time and didn't have a problem with any of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, religious leaders and teachers of the law? But Jesus shows up and they're like, oh, master, oh, Lord. Just our very presence should disrupt darkness. If darkness is comfortable around you, there's something wrong. If darkness is like, ah, it's just them. There's an issue there. No, the disciples, he, he said, you're gonna need some power and some authority to exercise the dominion that, I've trans, that I'm transferring over to you to operate in the power and the authority of the kingdom. Now we can talk, I mean, we have no problem talking about Jesus's power and authority, but this is a transfer here. This is, I'm involving you in the process. You need what I have. And didn't Jesus say, did he not say, the great, even the works that I've done, you will do, and even greater. So there are works involved with our discipleship. There are works involved with what you and I should be doing. And darkness should not be comfortable around us. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going looking for it. Don't walk out of here and go up into Walmart and try to find every demon you can my pastor preached on darkness tonight. My pastor preached, I'm, I'm looking for, not, not looking for, we're not seeking it out, but man, it, it shouldn't feel comfortable. In you. And it's, it's nothing crazy. It's just setting people free, man. It's just getting them delivered. You got delivered. You got set free. But maybe that addiction is something more than just, I just can't put it down. Maybe there's a demonic force behind it that's got a stronghold and an opposition in your life that knows if you ever get released of this thing, you're gonna become a dynamite force for the kingdom of God. So I'm gonna keep you bound in something that every time you do it, you hate it, but it doesn't take long till you wanna do it again and you feel okay doing it, but the moment you do it, you hate it. And it's an ongoing cycle. Nobody loves addiction. Nobody's like, oh, I'm so happy with this addiction in my life. No, no. 
but it's destroying your life. It's tearing you apart. It's breaking down your future and your vision. And it's a demonic oppression. You need some things just broken off of you. You don't need a 30-step plan. You don't need a, a meeting. You don't need to get in a circle with others that are dealing with the same thing. You're, you need some demonic broken oppression broken off of your life. And he gave them power and authority to deliver, set free from unclean spirits. Well, if there are unclean spirits, then there must be clean spirits. There must be a spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In John chapter 20, Jesus has risen from the dead. And in verse 21, He meets with his disciples. He says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, here it is, so I am sending you. Now, what do you think they're sent for or sent to do? Bystanders? Spectators? Sit in the stands and applaud? Sit in a a terminal? waiting for Jesus to return on his cloud, on his horse? No. He, 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 he clarifies it. Guys, he, clar- he, he qualifies the, so I'm sending you, with the previous statement, as the Father has sent me. What does that mean? The same as, Right? If I went to Lydia and I gave her $100 and then I went to Myrna and I said, as I gave to Lydia, I'm giving to you. What's Myrna expecting to get? And so he says, as the father sent me, oh, come on, guys. As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. Huh? Is that as the Father sent me, I'm sending you? Well, if it be your will, Lord. Is that as the Father sent me, I'm sending, come on. I'm just, I'm only reading the scripture, guys. I am not making this up. They put it on the screen for you. Verification. And we didn't type that out either. That's preloaded. As The the same way as the Father sent me, the same power, the same authority, the same capacity, the same ability for the same purpose. Well, how am I supposed to die on a cross? No, that was his assignment. You're confusing assignment with purpose. We have the same purpose, just a different assignment. But the purpose is what? Restore the kingdom from heaven to earth. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you the same way, in the same power, in the same authority, in the same ability, for the same purpose, for the same reason. I'm sending you. Verse 22, then he breathed on them and said, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Now we connect those two verses. It seems like one is necessary for the other. Seems like the the necessity of the Holy Spirit is demanded by the, as as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. If you're gonna operate, walk in, deliver to the earth what I delivered to the earth, if you're gonna be what I was, just as he is, so are we in this world, come on. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If I'm going to produce the same results as Jesus, if I'm going to do the, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, then I'm going to need the, I'm going to need to receive the Holy Spirit. He further clarifies this in Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one and verse four, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Now, when, when you get commanded, what do you think that means? Is that a suggestion? He suggested to them. 
Is there anything optional implied by he commanded them? Is there, is there any, you know, if you feel comfortable with it implied? Is there any, you know, see how it feels with you. Feel it out. If it makes sense. No. He commanded them. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Wait for what? The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Wait for the promise of the Father. He's reiterating, hey, I've got a work for you. As he sent me, so I'm sending you. But wait. But wait. You need something else. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the what? A holy spirit. Not many days from now. I'm talking about discipleship. I'm talking about discipleship. I'm not talking about five-fold ministry gifts. I'm not talking about pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets. I'm not talking about those that get a check from. I'm not talking about if you feel super spiritual. I'm not talking about, well, I must have a special gift to somebody else. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the disciples. That's who we're talking about. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're looking for a physical kingdom in the earth, physical government. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. So that lets you know there's limitations to this authority, right? So we're not dictating things. We're following a command. We're following in obedience. But, verse 8, you shall receive what? Power. So he lets you know, I'm not telling you the time or the season. I'm not telling you how long this is at play. I'm not telling you how long it's going to take. But here's what you do know. You're going to have power. You're going to have power. You will receive power when the what? The Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It must be pretty important. A necessity even. A requirement even. to be able to demonstrate the, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. We need the Holy Spirit. We know in Acts chapter two, the, they received the Holy Spirit. There's 120. By the way, he spoke these words that I just read to you to way more than 120 people. There was more than 120 people in the sound of his voice in that moment right there. 120 is what showed up. 120 men and women in an upper room waiting for something they didn't even know what they were looking for. They didn't know what tongues sounded like. They didn't know what the, uh, a moment with the Holy Spirit felt like. They, they didn't even know what they were waiting. Are they waiting for somebody to come through the door? I mean, all that they know is I've watched Jesus do the signs and the wonders. And I've, I've heard him multiple times say, I don't do anything on my own initiative. I only do as the Father has told me. I only say what he's told me to say. I only do what, he, what he's told me to do. I only go where he's told me to go. All we've watched him do is demonstrate what he has told us his Father wants him to do. And now he's saying, I'm sending you in the same manner and in the same way to do the same thing for the same purpose as the Father sent me to do it. Now, Jesus had to receive the Holy Spirit. He had to receive the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you better believe we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because Jesus didn't do what he did as a man. I mean, he didn't, Jesus didn't do what he did as God. Let me clarify that. Jesus did not do what he did as 
God. Well, Jesus is the son of God. Sure is. But he came here as the son of man. He stripped himself of the royalty. Made himself like you and I. So every time you want to use, well, he's the son of God. He's the son of God. He was the son of God. He was the perfect man. Doesn't apply because Jesus didn't do what he did as God. He did what he did as a man, submitted to God, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to God, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? So are you. I took, I took care of the submission to God last week. Took care of that last week. As he is, so are you in the earth. This only bothers people. This is going to be a hard statement, but it's okay. You can take it. You're the midweek crew. Sunday crew couldn't take it. That's all right. We'll save it for midweek. The only people that have a problem with that statement are prideful people. Because we think of pride thinking too much of ourselves. No, pride is thinking anything that God doesn't think. Pride is taking a thought that God does not have. And if he says greater works you will do than what my son did. And you want to alter that and say, I don't know. That's pride. Because now you're saying, I know what you said, but Come on. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Pride and arrogance can take on many different forms. Is there a haughtiness and is there an arrogance and is there a pridefulness? Absolutely. But thinking I can do something without God and thinking I can't do something with God are the same. I'll say that again. I can think I can do something without God pride, but I can also take on the thought, I can't do it with God. Still pride. Y'all okay? Now, this highlights a lot of inadequacy. This highlights a lot of deficiency. I'm just a man. I'm just natural. I'm a sinner like everybody else. I fail and I blow it and I miss it. I don't feel like if I laid hands on the sick that they would recover. Good. I'm glad we've got that out of the way. That it's not you. You need the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. David needed the Holy Spirit. Samson needed the Holy Spirit. Moses needed the Holy Spirit. The disciples needed the Holy Spirit. You're no different. We all need the Holy Spirit. But let's stop talking about what we do without the Holy Spirit. Let's start talking about what we can do with the Holy Spirit. What can I do empowered by the Holy Spirit? What was my life look like? What is the fruit of my life? What is the demonstration of my life if I'm empowered and led by the Holy Spirit? Disciples are filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. And I wanna give you three ways the Holy Spirit works in the life of a disciple. We talk about these things so many ways, but there are so many nuggets to pull out. There's so many ways to look at this. And the Lord gave me three ways that the, the, the Holy Spirit works with the disciple. With the disciple. The one that has committed their life to, to, to count the cost, pay the price, take up their cross. I'm all about the mission of the kingdom of God. There's three ways that the Holy Spirit works in the life of a disciple. Number one is strategy. Strategy. The church needs to be operating by strategies of the Holy Spirit. And that's not a word. Strategic is not a word that has been assigned to the church as much as it, as much as it ought to be, I believe. I believe there are Holy Spirit strategies, Holy Spirit ways, Holy Spirit directives, When I look in the book of Acts, I see a group of people that relied heavily upon the Holy Spirit to the point that 
we are waiting on you and we're not going anywhere until you move in this situation. I've said it before, but I heard someone say one time in the, in the book of Acts, it was 80% Holy Spirit and 20% man. And in today's church, it's 80% man and 20% Holy Spirit. I think we can flip this thing back. Get some Holy Spirit strategies. Have some plans about us. That's what vision's all about. Have a plan. Executed, received by the Holy Spirit and executed by the church. But in Acts chapter six, verse one. Acts chapter six and verse one, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Remember, we read this on Sunday. We said, as the discipleship grew, so did the complaints, right? Just physical needs. That's not a problem. That's not a sign it's broken. That's not a sign something's not working right, necessarily. That's not a sign like we're on the wrong track. We covered that Sunday. Resistance may be the very indicator in your life that you are on the right track. And maybe the lack of resistance isn't a sign that you're right. It's a sign that you're comfortable. It's a sign that you've grown complacent. Because we covered it on Sunday. Vision will always be met with resistance. We covered that on Sunday. So as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. And it goes on to list what the discontent was, what the frustrations were. Verse two says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And let me just give you some backdrop here. The word of Jesus is spreading. We're only days removed from Jesus's crucifixion. And the Romans and the religious leaders are starting to see a very dangerous pattern occur. They thought that they killed Jesus. Now there's these crazy people rumbling, running around uh, saying that he rose again from the dead. We can't have that. And so guess what they're doing to the church? The same thing they did to Jesus. They're killing him. And so what happened was you're ending up, if you kill a husband, what are you left with? A widow, a fatherless child. Come on, just being real. Israel's seeing this happen right now as we speak. Groups of people that have no care for life and no care and want to not just execute and kill, but they want to make a mockery of. And so as the disciples grew, so did the murders, so did the opposition, so did the crucifixions. And so as a result, we're left with a lot of widows. We're left with a lot of children that don't have dads and uncles. I have some mothers and fathers that were raising their children in the family business and they're killing off their sons. Real life, guys. And so as the discipleship grew, a, a complaint arose. We've got to take care of these widows and these uh, orphans, these fatherless children. We've got to take care of that burden. They're in this state as a result of the, the, the word that we're preaching. And we got to stay after this thing, but we got to care for those that are paying the price with their life. We got to meet the need. But the apostles said, we've got to keep teaching the word. We've got to get this word out. Because if we slow in teaching the word, people are going to draw and fade away. So we're not here to run a food program, but we've got to raise up people to do that. In verse uh, three, and so brothers, select seven men who were all respected and what? Full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. They picked seven guys. 
These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Guys, they are laying hands on men uh, and looking for high level, high standards, great reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom to run the food program that's gonna meet the needs of these widows and these orphans and these fatherless families. Man, if you need the Holy Spirit to do that, we're not laying hands on these men to go preach and start a new church. It's showing that every need is important and that the Holy Spirit is necessary for these strategies and these plans to get wisdom from the Lord. Do you know the Holy Spirit can give you strategies? We need Holy Spirit divine strategies. And, 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 and the corporate America and the Fortune 500s, man, they love their strategies. They're very well planned and very methodical and, and, and very, uh, you know, well thought out in their intentions and their programs and what they do. And then we get in the church and it's just, it could be chaos. Like we're flying by the seat of our pants. Some things don't need a seminar. They need a prayer meeting. That's what they did. We need a prayer meeting. What are we gonna do about this? Man, give me 12 guys. Let's show up here Thursday morning, 6 a.m. before you go to work and let's just seek the Lord and see what comes up. And again, I'm not knocking the natural things we can do. I'm not knocking that at all. Because the Holy Spirit may present to you, hey, there's this conference. And then you go there led by the Spirit not by your desire to not use the Spirit. That's what a lot of our strategies are today, is a replacement for, it's a substitute. Rather than getting in the throne room of God, rather than getting in the prayer closet, rather than going into the quiet place, rather than fasting, fasting and prayer, God can show you something in an hour for free. Actually, it would cost you less because you didn't eat that food today. Come on. But we'd rather spend the 199 on the conference and the hotel and the travel getting up there and back and the food that we eat while we're there sitting in another man's church telling us how they did it and how they were successful. And then we all come back all trying to replicate what God told them. And God told them, but he didn't tell you. And you could have just gone in your prayer closet. (laughs) <laughs> we don't want to hear this stuff because we, we, you know, we could put our pulse and fin our finger on the natural, but when I got to get in the closet and I've got to seek the Lord, I sought the Lord and he answered. He will answer your cry. It's what the Holy Spirit can do. The church, the early church, the, the Acts church relied on the Holy Spirit, depended on the Holy Spirit for strategies. He will give you strategies even when you're not looking for one. That's how good he is. He's a step ahead. He's a proactive spirit. He'll come into your prayer meeting and be like, have you ever thought about? I'll show it to you. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Verse two, one day as the men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. He'll show you things you didn't even know to look for. He'll show you ways you weren't even thinking needed to be. Guys, and I'm not just talking in church. Don't make this a church thing. He'll show you in your business. He'll show you in your finances. He'll show you in raising your kids. Come on. He'll show you in your community. He'll show you in your shopping. Don't limit this to these four walls. 
Like I'm the only one here that can listen to the Holy Spirit and has need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to show you some things, some strategies, some plans, some divine design. Start solving problems people didn't even know they had. This getting anybody excited? Goodness. They can show you some things. They relied on the Holy Spirit for strategies. Number two, the disciples relied on the Holy Spirit for sensitivity. Sensitivity. I don't have this verse, but you can write it down. Romans chapter 8. I think it's verse 11. Romans 8 verse 11. Those who are the sons of God are led by God. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. The church had a great sensitivity. Not sensitivity like we're sensitive. Sensitivity to the Spirit and to the move of the Spirit. The requirements of the Spirit. The drawings of the Spirit. I just read to you in Acts 13 where... uh, it just they're worshiping to the Lord. We need an increase in the sensitivity of the Spirit of God in these days. But that is going to require that we make ourselves available to that. And this is not a clock thing. We have become, even in this church, we can become regimented and produced in the calendar that there are ways that God wants to move and it's not going to be on a calendar. and It's not going to be within a time block. Okay? It's not going to be, we're not going to have enough parking spaces. We might upset the fire marshal from time to time. Not saying we're being disobedient. I'm saying that that, that there are a lot of parameters that we put in place that the Holy Spirit cares nothing about. (laughs) Y'all with me on that? That we are, the Holy Spirit's not like, when can you pencil me in? No, it's going to require, we're setting aside some time, man. I'm not trying to manufacture it. I'm not trying to conjure it up. I think that's where a lot of people have gone to the other side is they'll create a moment, but they're so intense on you got to come now and we got to, and we're doing everything right. Where's the, and then we start manufacturing something because we're not, man, you just got to stay there until he shows up. And if he doesn't, it's like what brother Hagen used to say, just teach the word, man. Just go teach the word. But at least come in with a thought process, a, a sensitivity enough. The, the, the church in the book of Acts, the disciples in the book of Acts, there was a sensitivity to things. There was a sensitivity to the environment. There's a sensitivity to who to minister and, and where to go. There, there's another time I didn't even get the verse. Pastor Chris, maybe you can help me out. One of you other Bible scholars where they, they got the vision, the belt. The prophet, Agabus, got the vision, right? There's another time. Didn't get this one down either. I, sh- I should have prepared more for this, huh? This is all in the book of Acts. Well, Paul said that he felt something restraining him from going into a town. Got redirected, got rerouted. There's another time where he says, the spirit has opened up a door of favor before us. How do you know when he's opening the door? How do you know when he's closing the door? How do you know when he's shutting it down and when he's starting it up? Sensitivity to the spirit is what I'm trying to get to. Sensitivity to the spirit. And again, not just, don't just put this in a church category, in your own life. What could the sensitivity of the spirit do? The the pauses. 
before you say something, before you do something, before you sign that contract, before you go into agreement, before you accept that plan, before sensitivity to the spirit, to everything in the, in, in the natural says do it and do it now. Don't, don't delay. And this Holy Spirit is saying, no, Brother Hagin's had plenty of stories about that. Pastor Hagin's had plenty of stories about that. He'll have you do the irrational, the unreasonable, but it requires a heightened sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Heightened sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Okay. Last one, number three. The Holy Spirit worked through the disciples to produce signs. Signs. And that's the one everybody wants, right? They want all the signs. When I gave you the other two, on, gave you the other two first on purpose. Because without the strategies, without the sensitivity, we're just seeking signs. And we end up in the category we were in last week. Who are you? But I prophesied in your name, but I did signs and wonders. I don't even know you. No, we need the Holy Spirit, not just to make us look good. You're not, when signs show up, they're not promoting you, they're promoting him. Maybe we would see some signs if pastors would stop saying, you know, stop wondering what their service is going to look like next week because the deaf ear opened up this week. Because that's not what it's about. You should be asking, now who's coming into the kingdom as a result of this sign taking place? Not who's filling my seats. Not what kind of offering is it going to look like. Not what is our name going to look like. How's the kingdom advanced? So obviously we know that the Holy Spirit produced these signs. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear the threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That was the request. The answer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They asked for signs, and what did they get? The Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though... All the people had high regard for them, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. That's the purpose of the signs. A sign is just that. It points to something else. You don't see the sign for Olive Garden and go hug the sign. You go inside the restaurant. (laughs) You go to where the sign points you. Many people are just hugging the sign. Just want our healings and just want our tongues and our (coughs) miraculous wonders. And God's like, over here, that points to me. That shows you who I am. It reveals my character and my nature. Shows you what I'm capable of. It's pointing to someone else. The Holy Spirit is pointing you to the Lord. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out in the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by what? Evil spirits. And they were all healed. In Acts chapter 13, where I was just reading, where it said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. In verse 48, jumping down to verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad 
and thank the Lord for his message. This is as a result of being sensitive and seeking the strategy by the Holy Spirit, separated by, uh, by the Holy Spirit, Paul, uh, Saul, and Barnabas, as a result of them being obedient to the Holy Spirit, the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, thank the Lord, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region as a result of strategy, as a result of sensitivity. Verse 50 said, then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. That's that resistance we talk about. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. Look at verse 52. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now, being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit will do far more for you than any program, any natural uh, 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 occurrence alone, any, any natural plan or strategy. Does the disciples in the early church and the disciples today, following the model, following the template, stop making excuses why you can't be led by the Spirit. Stop making excuses why it happened in the book of Acts, but it doesn't happen today. Let's just get back to the model and the template and the form and it might take us a few times to get it right, but let's just keep after it. Don't lay hands on a sick person and they stay sick. And you're like, well, I guess it didn't work. And you abandon it. Stay after it. Keep believing that his word will be performed with signs following. The, sign, the word will be preached with the signs following and accompanying the teaching of the word. We're talking about his disciples talking about his disciples following the strategy of the Holy Spirit, being led with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and producing the signs and the wonders of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Father, we thank you. We thank you that as your disciples, your called ones, assigned to be sent just as you were sent, We make a demand on the Holy Spirit, Father, the one who you left to aid us, be with us, comfort us, counsel us. Come alongside, abide within us, come upon us. Father, we desire to be led by the Spirit of God. We desire to be filled with the Spirit of God. We desire to operate under the power and with the power of the Holy Spirit as your disciples to truly make a difference in this world. We seek that. We go after that. It's not something we're afraid of. It's something we desire. The Holy Spirit, his gifts, his abilities, his capacities, his power upon our lives. Father, we seek it with our whole hearts so we can produce the kingdom everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.